0: welcome back to the burning phoenix podcast hope you're having a great morning and great day in this episode we're going to talk about episode four of the exodus series by jordan peterson and i'm going to look at the fourth volume of john strickland's book the age of nihilism and nietzsche and dostoevsky so first we're going to look at one of the main themes of Episode four. So the Exodus series is again then uh, a panel debate led by Jordan Peterson. And he has with him uh, Jonathan Peugeot, James Orr, Dennis Prager, Oz Guinness and several other people. And one of the main things that stood out from episode four, when they're still now talking about the beginning chapters of Exodus, is the idea that you can see the book as a movement from tyranny to freedom, but also from tyranny to truth and reality. Kind of from falsehoods and a twisted, uh, a twisted reality under the tyranny to the, uh, approaching and gradually getting towards understanding realities as it is in the true sense. So they talked a lot about the 10 plagues as symbolic of the these steps towards reaching, uh, reaching a, a better understanding of the truth through the disintegration of the tyranny. So we had 10 plagues. You have first like the water, it turned into blood. Then you have the frogs, you have the lice or gnats, you have the flies. So it kind of moves upwards from the water to the frogs, the lice. So it's kind of a, something, it's, it's an increasing um, way of creating, like problems are manifesting themselves. And then you have the livestock pestilence, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness. And the 10th one is the death of the firstborns. So it's very interesting to, to view this in terms of uh, also what is happening these days, these weeks as well, like uh, if you look at America and you look at how something seems to be unraveling in terms of falsehoods and in terms of things in the media or in the internet that has been uh, spreading, things that are kind of in the interest of those who control the media and the and the, the culture and the internet but then there might be a movement now that you see that there's a reaction from kind of reality itself and then it's very interesting to fall to see how this kind of uh, one thing after another could maybe be a parallel to to these different plagues and then eventually or kind of in the final at the final stage that it will be uh just like a a complete if not transformation so a liberation into uh they call it freedom but it's also interesting in the debate that they they uh, kind of, they they make the point repeatedly that freedom doesn't mean do whatever you want but it means to understand realities and participate in like the good of the world and the good of reality it's also interesting with uh the tenth plague and because that's the one that makes the pharaoh change his mind so this is the death then of the firstborn of of uh, in every egyptian household and this is the most severe punishment from the divinity but you see like the reaction from reality for the pharaoh's refusal to free the israelites from slavery meaning to kind of hold the tyranny these, uh, just a bit more like uh, info here. The Israelites were instructed to mark the doors of their homes with the blood of a lamp so that the angel of death would pass over their homes and spare their firstborn. The Pharaoh's own firstborn son was among those who were killed by this plague. After this, the Pharaoh finally relented and allowed the Israelites to leave Egypt. So to the extent, so you can look at this as, a, as timeless knowledge, spiritual wisdom, spiritual insights, and then it's, to the extent that it maps onto things that is ha- that are happening in America now, you can wonder how these different plagues might manifest in in symbolic forms, and then kind of in, in parallel or, or similar forms, and also what the like, what the the symbolic death of the firstborn kind of what that that would mean. So that's what we wanted to say about this um, the fourth episode of Exodus. Uh, it's also interesting to just note that when you look at this, when we talk about like the divinity as reality and truth, it is all already in, in Exodus 3.14 that you get the revelation of Yahweh as the tetragrammaton, which in Jewish Hebrew just means being. I am being. I am what I am. But it also means like uh, what is revealed is just the, the fabric of existence in itself and also we could say that f- in the jewish tradition uh, especially then according to Maimonides who is one of those um, uh, one of the founding theologians within in Judaism parts of the old biblical stories are meant to be parables and symbolic some things are historically literally true some things are parables and symbolic which is very interesting in terms of understanding how at least in Judaism this is seen and it kind of opens up for even more interpretation of what Exodus means, what the plagues mean. So uh, that's something we're going to keep uh, an eye on from in the coming weeks and months. And then the next topic is the age of nihilism. So we kept reading in the fourth volume. We got the full book now. It's uh, available like in, in PDF and EPUB form. Um We kept reading and we just wanted to make one point about Nietzsche and then read a little passage about Dostoevsky. So the thing to note, one of the things to note with Nietzsche is his relentless attack on morality and then this idea that also Wagner had to liberate yourself, like the human freedom to liberate yourself from this suppressive, oppressive moral structure given by the gods. But it goes back to the same point over and over that this is partly then based upon a lacking understanding of the idea of the transcendent morality in itself, meaning that there, the claim would be like the, the um, endeavor for millennia in so many traditions is to try to find timeless truths also about morality or about like vices and virtues or about uh, constructive or destructive forms of behavior and forces in in the world and just in in the being or how existence works. So that's what's supposed to be presented in many of these old mythologies and also biblical stories, for example. It's been misused by many people and institutions and often the church has been, has a very bad track record historically, especially in the times of Dante, for example, that they use these, the authority of of, uh, defining morals for bad purposes. But in themselves, as a helper for you to navigate the world and understand the world, they're intended to be positive, constructive, helpful uh, ideas and kind of a framework to just create a better life for yourself. Especially if you look at Dante, this is kind of his, his explicit defined purpose. One of them is to help people move from misery to a state of felicità, which is happiness, through understanding the nature of the vices, that's the whole inferno, and then also the virtues, the climbing the mountain of, of purgatory, like the mountain of virtue, to understand better how to create a good life for yourself, and then having, uh, like, just getting closer to the good and having a good life. So, back then to Nietzsche and then also before him, Wagner's attacks on the morality of the gods. You could say that it's a very, in some sense, it's uh, it's a a critique that goes to certain uh, aspects of the religious framework they grew up in, uh, how it was presented for them in terms of a more modern form of than in this case, Christianity. But if you look back to the ancient times, these things were different and they had a more kind of inner um, inner significance in terms of understanding the world and like spiritual wisdom to help yourself and to heal your own soul and to and to just uh, increase your 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 uh, spiritual insight wisdom and enjoyment of life and also participating in the good forces of the world so that's uh that's kind of a long-standing critique of of the approach of someone like Nietzsche that he is incredibly brilliant and and uh, also both thinker and a writer but there's something about the perspective and not understanding properly what the ancient days of transcendent morality was there is almost like a folly in terms of of thinking that you as an individual person can decide how the moral structures of the universe are which is what he tries to do and also which perhaps led him into. A mental breakdown and insanity the last 10 years of his life. So that was Nietzsche. And then we're going to move to Dostoevsky. So he uh, has a very interesting story. So we just started this chapter. We're just going to read something that happened to him when he was young. So this is like a fascinating part of, of what shaped him as a young person. So he was rebellious in his temperament. And this led him to join an intellectual group called the Patrashevsky Circle. It held sec- secretive nocturnal meetings in which members discussed books by fashionable French socialists. Sometimes they fantasized about revolution. Their unquenchable thirst for progress impressed a nervous young writer. One day, however, the group's existence was discovered by the police and its members arrested. As in the 21st century, so in the 19th, the authoritarian Russian state treated dissent harshly. Along with other members of the circle, Dostoevsky was sentenced to execution. So this is just a reminder of how uh, uh, illegal thoughts (laughs) were treated. Like Dostoevsky, just with some friends, create this intellectual circle where they discuss books. This is then discovered, and they are sentenced to death for it. And then it follows, quote, The scene that followed on the parade grounds of Russia's capital in 1849 is famous. The 21 men who were brought out onto the winter snow were certain they would die that day. The first group was lined up in hoods in front of the firing squad as the orders to prepare the shoot were initiated. Then, a soldier suddenly galloped up to the gallows to proclaim that Tsar Nicholas I, in an act of mercy... Had issued a reprieve, the prisoners were mercifully, in quotation mark, consigned to hard labor in Siberia. Dostoevsky was fitted with ankle shackles that would not be removed for five years. Then he and most of the others were sent off to what would later be called the House of the Dead. Only one of the criminals did not make the journey, having been among the hooded first group in the mock execution. He lost his mind at the shock of unexpectedly being granted his life back. So, this is one of the formative experiences of, of, experiences of Dostoevsky as a young person. And um, it's just a, a reminder again of how things were in terms of tyranny, in terms of suppression of truth. Uh, just then, this is then in 18, uh, 1849, 1850s. Uh, compared to how it is today, that in some sense what you are risking is getting some negative comments or or losing your account on a platform. <laughs> so it's a it was a different condition back then in terms of being like a political dissident or just like a free thinker and intellectual thinker who were trying to to explore new ideas and and searching for truth. So with that, kind of two. Uh, kind of heavy topics on this Saturday morning, uh, but hope some of this is helpful. Just again, it's very uh, it's very useful to, to understand this idea of truth and reality if you read the old biblical stories uh, and then also how it could apply to, to things we are seeing today. And then we're going to go more back to the overall argument in Strickland's books about how the loss of the spiritual, the loss of something inner, the, like the imminent divinity, the mystery and the and the spiritual source within you has created a, a gradual movement in the culture towards secularism and then atheism and then also nihilism. So that's going to be a bigger topic we're going to cover in the com- coming uh, couple of months. So with that, uh, hope some of this was interesting and some food for thought. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in and see you again in the next episode.